Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Oilers escape Sin City with two points. Forget about the traveling Yoggers. What about the traveling Glens? Kevin Glenn completes the CFL cycle and signs with the Eskimos. And everyone's still buzzing about the Minneapolis miracle. It's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is earth-shattering. That's Paul Allen with the call as uh, Minnesota finally sheds those playoff demons, beating the Saints yesterday to move on to the NFC Championship. More on that with uh, Eric Smith later on in the program. He is the Vikings team reporter. We'll also hear from Kevin Glenn. We have Brock Sunderland on the program as well. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos in-game analyst. Reed Wilkins, the regular host of this program, coming up here very shortly. Brendan Ulrich with you tonight. You know what else happened over the weekend? To rake it free from Drysaddle, got it ahead, and now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots it, scores! Darnell Nurse, another big play. And on back-to-back nights, he's got three goals and a helper. And Nurse provides the margin of victory. It's Edmonton 3, Vegas 2 in overtime. Darnell Nurse comes up big there. Great play by Drake Kajula. The Oilers escaping Vegas with two points as they enter their bye week right now. Earlier in the day, they were eight points out of the playoffs. Well, they're now 10. Dallas winning earlier. San Jose winning as well. So it's still a mountain for the Oilers to climb. And uh, likely a mountain they won't be able to climb, I would assume. Uh, Never say never. And uh, as they go into the bye week now, the gap is going to get bigger, unfortunately. So, you know, the break 
somewhat comes at a bad time for this uh, group again. They strain together back-to-back wins over the weekend. Then the bye week comes. You're feeling good about your game. I'll say this about the team. I don't think they've given up on the season. I still think that there is faith and belief in that locker room, whatever that may mean, because the task at hand may be too large for this group. But at least they aren't giving up. And they could have, you know, cratered over the weekend. They go down 2-0 early to Arizona. They come back and win that game. In the game against Vegas, of course, we know what happened late in the second period. The Golden Knights go up 2-1. They're going up against uh, one of the best goalies in the league in Flurry. They find a way to get the job done and win it in overtime. So I think uh, the players, knowing that Connor McDavid is on this team, still have faith that maybe they can go on a big run like they did late in the season last year and maybe uh, try to get closer to the playoffs. But uh, the bye week, we'll see uh, how they respond once they do get back uh, to the ice when they play the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. Now to the Eskimos. Heavy focus on the Eskimos today. Kevin Glenn joining the green and gold to, of course, back up Mike Riley. But it is an amazing story. The deal now means that Glenn will be the first player in CFL history to have been on all nine rosters at some point throughout his career. Now, of course, he didn't play for all those teams. He never actually suited up for the Argos or the Red Blacks, but he was on both of their rosters. And he now is on the Eskimos roster, and uh, we'll see if he actually gets into a game at some point this season. But it is history, and he says that's one of the reasons why he wanted to come to Edmonton. When you have opportunities to make history like that, um, people can say what they want about about it, but at the end of the day, it's still it's history. you know. And it wasn't that I played nine years in the league and played for nine different teams. This, I'm going up to my 18th year. You know, and had a lot of success. You know, so um, it wasn't just a fly-by-night type of situation. It was a situation where I was valued in the league, and at the same time, I did what I needed to do um, um, individually and as and being a teammate to show clubs and organizations that I'm a guy that that you can count on. That's Kevin Glenn. If you want to jump in on the conversation throughout the evening here on Inside Sports, text us at 630-630. We mentioned a bye week for the Oilers. More from Kevin Glenn later on the program. Uh, But it's a night off for Reed Wilkins. He joins us, though, on the phone. Reed, how are things going? What are you getting up to uh, with your night off? Well, things have been great, Brendan. First of all, I appreciate you uh, working tonight. I know that's a bit of a longer day for you, so I really appreciate it. Day off's been uh, productive. I uh, I did laundry. <laughs> I uh, I uh, I scanned some uh, photos. I don't know what if people are, what people have if uh, if you've got all these photos and albums. I have one of those digital picture frames, and I absolutely love it. I actually found a really good one about a year ago. And uh, I put some photos on it, but I have probably five. Did you, did you, are you from the generation, Brendan, where you had the photo album and you peeled back the plastic and put the pictures underneath? Did you ever? Okay, use those yeah, yeah, no, I did as a kid. Yeah, those are. You, uh, you sort of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I have tons of great photos from my childhood in those albums, and you, I mean, you never pull out the photo album anymore. So I, one of my projects that that I expect will take me this entire year if I'm able to do a few photos a day or a week or whatever, uh, get all those scanned and loaded onto the digital picture frame. So they come up and you actually see them every once in a while instead of just sitting at a binder. So I did, I did a little bit of that, just a few photos a day 
to uh to, to chip away but yeah thanks for working for me buddy i really appreciate it now what shows up on uh the digital picture frame what like what do you have uh in terms of your photos is it read at uh, the deaf leopard concert read at the other deaf leopard concert or uh, <laughs> read read golfy i know you golf a lot so maybe you have some golf pictures in there as well <laughs> There, there are definitely some Def Leppard pictures, but I'm sure most people will uh, associate with this. It's about 90% pictures of dogs. <laughs> I'm not, not, not going to lie to you. <laughs> Two current dogs, uh, dogs from the past, dogs sleeping, dogs in the yard, uh, dogs going for a walk. Uh, a lot of dogs just lying on the couch, really, to be honest with you. That's, <laughs> that's mostly, mostly, forget about family, Brandon, forget about humans. It's uh, it's probably 90% pictures of past and present dogs. Well, <laughs> there, you know. there, there are, there are a couple of Def Leppard concert <laughs> pictures in there for sure. Yes. Well, dogs are part of the family too, Reed. Come on. That, it puts a smile on everyone's face when a picture of a dog comes up, no matter what. Well, that's true, but I will say this this frame now, and this is probably fair, fairly uh, fairly common. I can take a picture on my phone, and there's an app on my phone, so I can upload the picture uh, straight on uh, through the app, and it, and it goes to the cloud, and then it's already on the picture frame when you get home. So, for example, when I was went to Def Leppard in Chicago, took a couple photos, uploaded the best ones, and then they're already, uh, you know, cycling through the, the random display uh, when I get home on the picture frame. So that's pretty cool. I'm not sure how uh, this show works, Reed, but uh, do you ever talk any sports? We should probably uh, get to some sports. It's Yeah, it's spiced with sports, <laughs> there you go. I guess is a good way to put it. We tend to, we tend to meander sometimes, which is fine. Well, I know when Jay comes on, it's anything goes, so... Uh... Oh yeah, that's that's a bit of a you can't you can't overdo it with Jay, but he's pretty entertaining. Well, let's quickly hit on the Oilers here, Reed. They're on a bye week, of course. I think a lot of the week will be uh, wondering, uh, you know, what the team is going to uh, look like once they come back. What their, I guess, playoff situation will look like. Right now, it's eight points out of the wild card spot, but once they come back, how big will that gap be? On Oilers now earlier, I did say this. I think the team still believes that they can, you know, make some noise here the rest of the season. Uh, of course, they have all the Pacific uh, matchups, and uh, there were a few times over the weekend, Reed, where it was like, okay, we could give up right now in these games, but they managed to, to claw back against Arizona and uh, against Vegas too after that uh, late second period goal. So some signs of life still. Um, I don't know what. Uh, your interpretation is of where this team is going to go after uh, the break, but uh, what do you think of uh, the current situation and what it will look like, I guess, once they come back from the bye week? Well, look, the the, the playoff outlook is bleak, unfortunately. I, I was quickly glancing at the NHL schedule for tonight and, and through Friday, and then the Oilers get back at it on Saturday. I would expect there'll be 12 points out of the playoffs when they get back. That's a lot of ground to make up, but I mean, I know there's not a lot of runway left, but but there is some runway left if they play really hot. And I, I think, you know, Talbot's going to be a big key, and Montoya when he plays. I, I think they feel better about going to Montoya than they did to Brassois, and he was really good in his two appearances uh, when he has played so far. So you have to be encouraged by that. If they get the goaltending and, and McDavid keeps flying like he has been, they'll have a shot in any game. I still think that they're they're good enough to to definitely tease us at least one more time, you know, win 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 12, something like that. The problem is they could win 7 out of 10, and then they're going to have to win 7 out of the next 10 
and then maybe even seven out of the next 10 to have a chance to make the playoffs. That's what makes it so difficult. I don't think they've given up. I think they might even be a little more confident and a little more composed than they were earlier in the season. I mean, you you and I have talked to enough athletes, Brendan. They, they, they might have doubt and they might be rattled, but they rarely actually throw in the towel and say we're out of it. Yeah. I mean, I think the ultimate game-by-game, day-by-day cliche has to apply to the Oilers here, and they're going to have a big deficit, and they're going to have to try to chip away. You can't go out there and win six games at once. So they're just going to have to try to to put, you know, slowly start putting a streak together. I do think uh, the schedule, I don't want to say, I don't want to say favorable because they're still looking up at most of the teams in the league. So just by the standings, they wouldn't be favored in most games. But I do think they have some better matchups uh, down the stretch here. They, they hardly play any East teams and they haven't done well against the East and they have done well in their own division. Now they still have to visit the California teams twice still have the flames three times i mean i mean there are no easy games but there is the opportunity to make up points if they can stay composed get the goaltending get the timely goals and, and keep it together a lot has to go right but you can never count count a team out until the the math says it's not possible well yeah and some encouraging signs i guess over the weekend the fact that they won both those games and you look at darnell nurse as well reed uh the way he's going offensively right now i think uh for most of the season he's been the oilers best defenseman uh overall defensively but now it seems like he's starting to add that uh, offensive uh dynamic to his game and i don't know where he can take it moving forward he's still a young defenseman clearly he's uh, on a bit of a heater right now and uh, he's gaining confidence but What's the next step, I guess, here for Nurse? Do you start sprinkling him in on the power play, or where do you think he can take his game offensively? I I wonder if they might wind up using him on the power play sooner than they expected. I I don't know if they thought that was going to happen this year, but the power play's been poor, and I think part of it is they haven't been getting the production from from the line. Obviously, Secker hasn't played much this year, Clefbaum hasn't been able to fire it like he did last season. And, uh, you know, Benning, I think, is more of a third option when it comes to the power play. The thing for Nurse is that, obviously, he's incredibly fast. He, he's showing that he has a good shot, which I, which I think we knew, but he's starting to connect with it a little more. I, I think for him is is knowing how to distribute the puck. And we've seen him this year make a lot of rushes where he gets across the blue line, which is great because you get the puck in the other team's end. And then he winds up in the corner or just sort of throwing it on net and and there's not really a play made. We've seen with this coaching staff, they, they don't just go by raw ability in terms of giving a player's ice time or opportunities. They need trust. Yes. He Yarvi hasn't been on the power play a lot because I don't think the trust is quite there yet. I think it's coming and we're starting to see him there more often. I think that's what we have to ask ourselves with Nurse is is does the coaching staff completely trust him on the power play to make the right play, to keep plays alive consistently? Now maybe he'll get some shots in practice and and will and then he'll get a chance to do it in the games. I do think if he gets a chance on the power play, he might be eased into it. But I think clearly that's the next step in his evolution. And in my mind, he's taken a bigger jump forward this year than certainly than I thought he could. Let's uh, switch focus to the Eskimos here, Reed. Um, Kevin Glenn entering his 18th CFL season now with his ninth CFL team. That completes the cycle of every CFL team for Kevin Glenn when he suits up for the Eskimos uh, this season. So 
you know, they have Mike Riley. We know he's the starter. Kevin Glenn, we know he'll be the backup. But some quality insurance behind Riley, especially with the Eskimos hosting the Great Cup here this upcoming season. Um, it seems like a, a perfect veteran signing to play behind uh, Mike Riley. Would you agree with that? Or do you think they should maybe let uh, a younger guy develop? No, I, I I think it's fine having Glenn. I mean, and they'll still have a younger guy as a third string, whether it's uh, O'Brien or the or the other guy they had around on the practice roster. But I, I think this is great. I, I mean, Kevin Glenn has never been a star in the NH, in the in the CFL. He's he's a he's a competent quarterback, and I know that sounds almost insulting, but he's not a guy that necessarily goes out and wins you games or is excellent at anything, but. He knows the league. He knows how to run an offense. Uh, I I think he's a great backup option for Riley for for one year. I mean, Franklin is gone, so you know Riley's. I mean, you knew anyway Riley was getting all the snaps, but it it ends that sort of debate about having a, a younger guy. You should put in more behind Riley. I don't think fans are going to be clamoring to see Kevin Glenn, so you're developing your backup or anything like that. But if Riley has to miss some time or is having a tough game, I think Glenn's a good option to go in. I mean, there's no replacement for experience. So I, I, it's a funny little side story that he, that he finishes the, the circuit in the, uh, in the CFL, if you want to call it that. He admitted that that was also a, a reasoning why he wanted to come to Edmonton was to complete the cycle. So there you go. Well, yeah, so that's that's a that's a fun little side story too. But I think in terms of his ability and experience as a backup, that's an ideal backup for Riley. Yeah, it makes sense. And here's the thing, Reed. You look at the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL. Of course, Bradford went down early in the season. Then all of a sudden, Case Keenum takes over, and everyone's like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen here. But it shows that having a veteran backup uh, could be key. And, uh, you know, the Vikings are, of course— hosting uh, the Super Bowl this year. Maybe they get there. The Eskimos, of course, hosting the Great Cup, so that would be outstanding if they do get there as well. But just uh, moving over to the NFL here quickly, what a weekend of football it was. Uh, some exciting games, and you look at who's left now, uh, the four teams. I don't think anyone had this uh, drawn up on their bracket when uh, the playoffs started. i got to say, the, the end of that game yesterday, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of one of those fun debates you can get into now where does that play rank in the history of the league yeah i mean to me now i i haven't lived through the entire history of the nfl but i've I've seen a lot of playoffs and a lot of super bowls that's got to be a top 10 play in the history of the playoffs i mean what else would you put up there off the top of this the the tyree helmet catch right yeah that's true that's Um, a good one the Marshawn Lynch run that was in a playoff game, uh, Clark's catch from, from uh, Montana yeah. in whatever it was, 81 or 82. So this, this one would have to be up there in, in terms of a top 10 play. I know there have been other late touchdowns and great catches, but the team has often been deeper in the other team's end, right? Like closer to scoring. I mean, I can remember Terrell Owens made a catch against the Packers probably, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. Maybe it was even longer than that near near the end of the game where he split. It's probably still in the 90s, actually, where he, you know, got jostled by a couple defenders at the goal line but was able to score. But, but I mean, that was that was a more hopeless situation for Minnesota. 61 yards away, maybe with not enough time. And I don't know about you, Brendan, but when, when Diggs caught that, and even when the guy missed him, it still looked like he had that instinct that I got to step out of bounds. And then it, he looked up 
and was like, oh, I'm going to get a touchdown. You know, like there was yeah. nobody else back there. I feel bad for the kid on New Orleans, New Orleans that, that missed the tackle. I mean, hey, you know, sports are as much about mistakes as they are about making plays. He made a mistake. He didn't re- react well in that situation. I know he had a great season, and he was having a good game up to that point. So, so you feel for that guy. But that's that's a play. I mean, what do you compare? Like that that was almost on the level of the Spiegel touchdown. But that wasn't in the playoffs, right? So the the fact that it's in a playoff game elevates it. But I think it's going to be fun. I mean, Minnesota looks really good. Uh, Philly's obviously been able to to figure it out with a couple of different quarterbacks. Jacksonville, New England, man, you, 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 New England is New England, right? And they they just have been doing it for so long. But Jacksonville has the feel of one of those teams that has maybe figured something out and is on a bit of a roll here. And Leonard Fournette, my goodness, this guy is just a powerhouse to watch. So that's going to be one of the toughest backs that New England's had to deal with in, in a long time, I think. That is Reed Wilkins, regular host of this program. I hope he's right there with Jacksonville. I'm of this school, anybody but the Patriots. I mean, I cheer for the Bengals and the Capitals. They always lose. Uh, so I'm rooting for one of these underdog stories. Of course, the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl. Jacksonville has never won a Super Bowl. And the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. And they've had all kinds of heartbreak in the playoffs of late. You go back to 2015 when uh, Blair Walsh missed that uh, field goal uh, against the Seahawks. The Brett Favre interception late in the NFC Championship game in 2010 against the Saints. So awesome to see the Vikings prevail. What a game that was. Four lead changes in the end of that game. Uh, you have the best defense, the Vikings, and like blowing a 17-point lead. It had everything. And that's uh, why I love the game of football. We'll talk more football around the corner with Blake Dermott, but first a timeout here on Inside Sports. 629 here in Edmonton. Brendan Ulrich with you on Inside Sports, hosting for Reed Wilkins tonight. Inside Sports brought to you in part by Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Now, we were talking about the Vikings, looking at the four quarterbacks left in uh, the NFL playoffs right now. Of course, you have Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and that guy called Tom Brady. So, we'll talk about uh, Blake a little bit more about this, but how important is a quarterback right now in the NFL when you look at who's left? Of course, there's Brady and the three other guys. That's around the corner, but first, the 630 News. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. J.C. Sherritt bringing us back here on Inside Sports. Earlier today, Morley Scott chatted with Eskimos GM Brock Sunderland, and uh, they talked a little little bit about J.C., and it sounds like they've been in uh, detailed conversations with Sherritt, according to uh, Brock Sunderland. As the Eskimo signed Kevin Glenn earlier today, Darrell Walker late last week. We'll talk about all that here with uh, Blake Dermott in a second. Just wanted to get to your out-of-town scoreboard tonight in the National Hockey League. Four games on tap. It was Martin Luther King Day, or it is Martin Luther King Day in the States, so there were three early games. And uh, the Dallas Stars knocked off Boston in overtime. Tyler Sagan with the uh, overtime winner there. That means the Oilers now 10 points out of a wild-card spot. The Avs also beating the Ducks 3-1. Another goal for Nathan McKinnon. And uh, the Avs are red hot right now as they win again. Uh, San Jose knocking off the Kings. More bad news for the Oilers there. The Kings, by the way, have now lost four in a row. But the Sharks... 
starting to score some goals as they inch closer to a Pacific Division uh, playoff spot. The AHL, the uh, Bakersfield Condors were in action earlier today against uh, San Jose. They lost 3-2 in overtime. Russell and Malone with the goals for the Condors in that one. We mentioned... Oh, yeah, there is one game live right now, by the way, I forgot to mention. Uh, the Canadians and the Islanders playing. Matthew Barzell, a goal and an assist for the Islanders in this one. He had five points over the weekend, so he now has seven points in his last four periods. And a lot of those uh, points are highlight real points. Just sick, that guy. He has such a, a high-end skill set for the Islanders there. And, uh, you know, other fans get angry every time we bring his name up. Let's move on to the Edmonton Eskimos. And we're going to chat with Blake Dermott about that. We'll talk about the NFL as well. Uh, I should mention first that some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Northern Chicken, enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704, 124th Street. He is our in-game analyst during our Eskimo broadcast here on 6.30 Chet. It's Blake Dermott. Blake, how are things going? I'm doing good, Brennan. How are you doing? Not bad. Awesome to talk to you. Uh, in the off-season, usually I see you at the football field, but it's nice to uh, get you on Inside Sports tonight. What have you been up to? You know what? I, uh, I was on a little bit of a vacation at Christmas time and, and just getting adjusted to the, uh, the cold weather again. <laughs> I, I was able to miss a large part of it. I uh, uh, went to Phoenix and then uh, I missed it and then got back and it was nice, but then it got cold again and just so I'm just like everybody else now. So just, well, just slugging through. I think this week's uh, supposed to be pretty nice here, so uh, we, can, we can live with this. If it's, I think it's like plus one tomorrow or something. It was plus one on Saturday, so what are you complaining about, Blake? Things are good. Uh, you know, You're a it, tough it, guy. It, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> my, my blood is getting thinner as I age. <laughs> I hear you on that. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Glenn here a little bit. Um, I mean, he was almost in the league when you wrapped up your career when he first started. He's been around for a lot, not quite, but he's been around for a long time. This is his 18th uh, season coming up here. You know the, the story today, of course, completing the CFL cycle, and he admitted that was one of the reasons why he sort of wanted to come to Edmonton because he becomes the first player in CFL history to do that, which is a pretty cool side story. So uh, first of all, just your thoughts on what Kevin Glenn can bring to the Eskimos uh, in a backup role. You know, Kevin Glenn has been... Uh has been proving people wrong probably for about the last 10 years. Uh, he, he is somebody that, that uh, you know, he, he sits number six all-time in passing in, in the CFL. He threw for over 4,000 yards as a 37-year-old last year on, uh, on, a, on a team that had pretty good receivers but was on a, a team that had to, uh, finished fourth place in the conference. And, and he is a guy, you know, I don't know if there's, if the backup role is the role that, uh, which is obviously he's going to be uh, fighting for with Danny, uh, Danny O'Brien and, and uh, Eli Jackson, there's a couple of guys that are already on the roster here. But, uh, but he brings with so much experience. And it was interesting, I was listening to him on the radio uh, today, he was saying that, you know, I think one of the things that he says he brings, that people can ask him a question, and he's been around so long and seen so many things, he's probably got more than one answer for them. So he, he brings with a, a lot of experience, a lot of a calming influence. And, you know, when you put a backup into a game, there's, there's two reasons why you do. It's because the number one reason is usually because your starter has been injured or is not playing very well or you know you're you're ahead and you need somebody to go out there and control the game and just and manage it and i think that he fits that bill uh 
huge for the Eskimos. This is a guy that they, they probably would, they, they don't feel uncomfortable putting him in at any time in the game just because of his, his experience level, and, and there's probably not a whole lot that can rattle him. Yeah, with you on that one. I guess the only question is, would it be uh, more beneficial to try to let it, you know, a younger guy develop, or the fact that you have you can still have three quarterbacks on the roster, of course, and then uh, maybe Glenn can uh, be a teacher, of course, for the, the third guy, which could be O'Brien uh, this season. We'll have to wait and see what happens in training camp. But uh, I guess just when it, when you look at that factor, would you maybe rather see them try to develop a younger guy, or it's just one year for Glenn? And uh, of course, the the Eskimos are all in this season. They want to win uh, the Grey Cup with uh, the Grey Cup being here in Edmonton. Do you think that played a factor in this as well? Well, you know, uh, yeah, you, you like to be in a position to be able to develop a guy. Um, but they developed uh, Franklin for, for three years, and what, where did it get him? You know, True, yeah. uh, it, when it, it becomes, it's about competition. It's about, you, you're, you know, this is a professional sport, so you're going to put your best guys in those positions. So if Kevin Glenn, and he's got to compete, and he's willing to compete, and he's shown that for the last 17 years that he is willing to compete, and he comes in here and he competes and is the number two guy, well, then, then that means that uh, O'Brien's got to just work harder or Jackson, whoever else is that number three guy. But I also think that as a number two guy, he, be, he becomes a really good bridge between number one and number three with the ability to be able to, yeah, see, this is what he was looking at. This is what we're trying to do with the number three guy. And I think that, that third person can learn and develop a lot faster with somebody with a, with a backup-type quarterback like, uh, like Kevin Glenn. We will hear from Kevin Glenn later on the program as well. Last week, uh, or I guess it was Friday, the Eskimos signed Darrell Walker, uh, Blake, and I interviewed him, and uh, I asked him what he thought of his game uh, after coming back from the NFL, and he, he said he was his own biggest critic, and he felt that he was his game was fair. And it was a tough situation. I think it was week 12 he came back. Of course, there was all these cooks in the kitchen here for the Eskimos. We know what Zilstra was doing, Duke Williams, Mitchell. All these guys were you know, playing well for the Eskimos. Bowman, of course, stepped up late, too. Um, but I think now with Zilstra gone, we know what Walker did in 2016. He was second in the uh, CFL in receiving yards. Where do you think he can take his game to, Blake? based on the fact that he'll be here from day one of training camp, uh, and he's likely going to be the guy this season for the Eskimos. What do you think he can do? Can he lead the league in uh, touchdowns, yards? Where is, uh, what's the limit for this guy uh, potentially here this season? You know, that's, that's an interesting thing, uh, you know, because the, in order for him to have a good year, the guy throwing the ball has to have a decent year as well. So, so as a receiver, you're limited. You can run the routes the best way. You can make all the reads, but if you don't get the ball thrown in your direction accurately so you can make a, a play, then, uh, um, then you know it's looked at like you're not having a great year. I think he has the potential uh, to be the best receiver in the league, and uh, he he has certainly got the skills and has demonstrated that in his time uh, here before he left. And and even when he came back, there were flashes of, of brilliance with him. Um, so so yeah, I, I think what it does though for the Eskimos is it, it secures having that threat back for another year and uh, you know you lose one and you, you get another guy back who could be in that dominant position and and I think that you, you saw how him and Adarius seemed to work two years ago and Adarius had an off year by by everybody's standards including himself and I'm thinking that if if uh, Walker has a good year I'm betting that uh, Adarius will have a good year too the other thing that controls how how good a season he is if he can stay healthy you know and and that, you know, when you come back from a training camp in the NFL after six weeks of training camp and then, you know, coming back up here, uh, it, let's, let's face it, roles are different, coverages are different, um, the speed is a little bit different. Uh, so, so it took, again, as, as successful as Walker was when he was here the first time, 
when you go away for a while, then you come back, then that, that adjustment time, uh, it, there is an adjustment time. And I thought by the end of the year, if there had been another three games or four games, he would have been back to, up to speed where he was the year before. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. And, of course, uh, talking about uh, Bowman and Walker, they set a CFL record for combined yards back in 2016. We'll, th- we'll see if they can top that in uh, 2018. Uh, let's talk about the play last uh, last night in that uh, Vikings game. Blake, uh, in your playing career, have you ever seen anything like that or even close to that? Or is it like That play seems like impossible to duplicate. I don't know if there's ever been a play like it. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 1986, we were playing Calgary the first game of the year. We had just given up 10 quarterback sacks. Matt Dunnigan was our quarterback. Um, Calgary was coming down to kick a field goal to, to uh, win the game with about 40 seconds to go in the game. And uh, uh, James Zachary blocked the field goal. We got the ball back at our 35-yard line. And Matt threw a 10-yard pass. And there was like literally the last play of the game. We're walking up about the 45-yard line. And uh, a receiver, Stefan Jones, playing a wide receiver on the left side. Matt did a half, sort of a uh, half roll and uh, stopped and threw the ball as far as he could throw it. And they busted the coverage, and Stefan Jones scored a touchdown on the last play of the game. It was like 65 yards for a touchdown. I think we even had to kick the convert just to win. So, yeah, I've been a part of that. I've seen how it just, like, it was a complete bust in coverage. It was, and the funny thing is, is we broke the huddle. Uh, Rod, Rod Connop was uh, playing right guard, and, and uh, he, he looked at me and goes, well, if we score on this play, this will sure make the highlight reel. And then we all <laughs> blocked our butts off, and, and Matt threw the ball as far as he could throw it, and Stephon Jones caught the ball and scored a touchdown. And so, so yeah, I've been a part of it. And it's just we had no business winning that game. We had After giving up 10 sacks, we had no right being in that game at that point, and then Calgary went on to lose the next seven. There's six games in a row. Or they lost. Yeah, I think seven in a row they lost that year. And then you don't have to go that far back. Eskimo fans will remember when uh, uh, Kevin Glenn threw a touchdown pass in the last play of the game to Milt Stiegel in, in yep. Edmonton. Reed mentioned and, that earlier too, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was uh, doing the broadcast for CJOB uh, uh, with Bob Irving, and, and, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that the Eskimos lost that game at that point and, and the last play of the game. And in very similar type fashion, an easy come up, wrap the guy up, take him down, and the game's over and try to go for a big hit, and, uh, you know, it, it went the other way. And Williams was a defensive back. All he, like, I don't even, uh, I watched that thing. I don't know what he was doing. He, I wanted to say he, he tried to go low to hit the guy, but he completely missed him. It was almost like he flinched. And uh, uh, Diggs just caught the ball and took off and went. And uh, because of Williams, uh, uh, his ability, or, or because of his momentum, he took out his, his own player, and, and Diggs went in untouched. It was just something that... Uh, not many people will ever get an opportunity to see that, and you could watch football for an awful long time. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the broken coverage. Like, just let them catch it, then tackle them or swarm them or push them out of bounds, anything. Like, it was just bizarre. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy for the Vikings. Um, they've, of course, uh, been a franchise that uh, has went through a lot. They are trying to erase those playoff demons, and now they have a chance to be the first-ever team uh, to play in the Super Bowl uh, on home field. So I really hope that happens. Uh, that was pretty cool. I wanted to ask you about this as well, though. Um, you look at the four teams that are left in uh, the NFL playoffs, Blake, and uh, we know Tom Brady, how good he is, arguably the best player of all time in the NFL. But then you look at the other three quarterbacks, and uh, Blake Bortles is uh, there for Jacksonville. Case Keenum, who was a backup to start the season for the Vikings, and Nick Foles, of course, a backup uh, in with the Eagles with uh, Wentz going down uh, to a season-ending injury. So I want to ask you, when you look at these teams, 
how important is it to have a dominant quarterback in the NFL because Aaron Rodgers isn't uh, in the playoffs right now, although you know Green Bay was arguably one of the best teams until he went down this season. Uh, Andrew Luck was hurt. But you look at all these teams, it seems like they can you can win with a good defense. The Vikings and the Jags, two of the best defenses in uh, in this in the NFL. So how important is that, I get I guess to have a dominant quarterback in today's NFL? You know, um, that's that's a really good question. Uh, the, the only the only team that seems to have uh, been able to say, well, we've got a dominant quarterback and have had success consistently, is the New England Patriots. Um, and there has been times, I remember at the beginning of the season, how they were just, everybody was saying how bad the defense was with New England. Well, they, they got better. And it happened in the Super Bowl a year, I think it was a couple, three years ago. They, they started out real bad, and Brady just said, we're, hey, well, people relax. Um, you cannot have success in the NFL unless you're, you have a dominant defense, unless you have a very good, aggressive defense. And that's the one thing that the three teams outside of the Patriots, I, I don't even know where the rankings are, but I would say that of the four teams that are left, I would say that the, uh, uh, the Patriots might be in the, in, within the top four, but I would say that uh, they would probably be fourth out of the teams that are left, in the, in the left playing. And the thing about it is, too, is it, it's real tough to, when you, when you think about the three quarterbacks, Blake Bortles threw for, what was it, 89 yards yeah. in the first playoff game. <laughs> yeah, he ran for, I think he rushed for more yards than he threw in that game. Yeah, and, and Case Keenum, uh, again, uh, like a career kind of a backup guy. Um, and then, and then uh, and Nick Foles, who was the last starting quarterback for the, uh, the Eagles uh, to play in a playoff game before this last playoff game. So, so these are all guys that it's really tough not to cheer for, you know, uh, you would love to see one of these guys. Like I, even though Case Keenum shouldn't have been in that game, it was it was tough not to feel happy for the guy because because he you just look at the joy on his face and and then of course Nick Foles who was retiring two years ago said that's it he was going to walk away from the game and uh, uh, and, and and Blake Bortles who is is a good runner uh, people say he can't throw the short ball but all he's done is win a couple of, a couple of games and and. Uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting because those defenses uh, are, are helping those guys along and protecting them. And uh, one thing that those teams have learned now is they've learned how to win tough games. And that always becomes a very difficult opponent when you when you reach this uh, far into the season because anything can happen in a playoff game. But you know, having said all that, if I'm the New England Patriots and uh, and I see what's coming to play us. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Yeah, I was just going to say, would you bet against the Patriots having said all that still? Yeah. Like, they're probably going to... I, don't, I hope not. I think Jacksonville maybe could surprise the Patriots, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so so you would say you would still take the Patriots to, to win this all when it's said and done? Well, the, um, yeah, the Patriots have been my team forever. Yeah, hard <laughs> so, to go against them. And, you know, and I, I, I did see them win a Super Bowl against Seattle, and that was... Uh, that was uh, uh, I was at that game, and it was fantastic. Um, but uh, but it's they're they're a good team and they're just they just seem to be solid and when you look at you know this is uh, Gronkowski wasn't even healthy last year and he's healthy uh, Amendola uh, 112 yards in the last game uh, I think 11 catches uh, they just seem to be solid their offensive line looks like the skinniest offensive line out of the, la- the, the all the teams remaining but they just seem to protect and protect and and. Uh, uh, and Brady can get the ball out of his hands, and when they need to run, they run the ball. So they're they're just so solid. Um, and and when I, but when I look at the other teams, you know they they don't have well. Uh, Jacksonville will you know when you score forty five points against the Steelers, who are the number one defense in the league, you say that they don't have an offense. They, uh, they obviously can t- put some points on the board, but but they have been inconsistent. And my my guess is is that 
whatever flaws that they have, uh, the hoodie and Brady will be able to find them and pick them apart. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that, but I hope for uh, one of these underdog stories to uh, play out. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks for taking some time here, Blake. Uh, I guess we'll see you soon. I mean, I know the it's still uh, cold out there and the snow is out there, but soon it will be training camp in the CFL, not too far away. No, not that far away. Looking forward to it. All right, Blake, thanks for taking some time tonight. Thanks, Brandon. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos in-game analyst, uh, former Eskimo, uh, joins us once a week during the season here on Inside Sports and uh, also uh, during our Eskimos broadcast. It's uh, 6.53 in Edmonton. We'll take a time out. You can text us 6.30, 6.30. What do you think of the Final Four uh, quarterbacks in the NFL? What do you think about Kevin Glenn? Right choice for the Eskimos to sign him uh, to be their backup for next season. And if you're the Oilers right now, what would you do with Patrick Maroon? So lots we can hit on here on the Monday edition of Inside Sports. Back here on Inside Sports, 656 in Edmonton. Quickly to your Oilers report brought to you by Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day, Nisku Ford above expectations. People wondering about the status of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Here's what Tom McClellan had to say after he took that hit by McNabb on Saturday. Uh, he got took a, took a hit and obviously didn't return. He's still being evaluated. We think he'll be okay coming out of the break. So there you have it. Sounds like the Nuge is okay. Bob Stoffer sailing Oilers now earlier today that he did go uh, back with the Oilers in a plane after uh, the game on Saturday, so he didn't actually stay in Vegas. So, But it sounds like he'll be okay come Saturday when the Oilers get back. When we come back, though, it's uh, Kevin Glenn and Brock Sunderland as we talk about the Eskimos. But first, the 7 o'clock news update. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.